Flush the bombers, get the subs in launch mode. We are at DEFCON 1. DEFCON 1. Cincinnati, Ohio. One more hour and I'll be home. Close my eyes and rest my bones. Can't be more than a mile or so from Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome to the Hunt for Red's October podcast. I'm your host, Coop, and tonight we're here with another emergency podcast to uh, discuss a bunch of Reds moves that were made today on the trade deadline. Uh, with us tonight again from Red Reporter is Wick Terrell. Wick, how you doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm glad I'm not writing about any more trades for the rest of the day. Uh, that was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was expected flurry, but also a flurry. Um, it's flurry season where you talk about flurries of transactions. So that's what today was, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be back and happy to, to talk about all the, the fun expectations we have for the next era of Cincinnati Reds baseball. Woohoo. Uh, we also have Carlos back on with us. Carlos, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, guys. I, I've had a pretty good baseball day. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but it's pretty good. Yeah, uh, your uh, your other team did pretty well today. We, we <laughs> might we might get into that a little bit. A little bit. They, yeah, they got bring the jury? Yeah, they got... Uh, <laughs> yeah, the best... They got, they got the deadline. They got Brandon Drury and Josh Bell and I don't know. They might have gotten some other. I think that was another player to be named later. Yeah, there was a player. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we also got Branch on with us. Branch, how are things? Awesome, man. I'm having a great day. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in the boat with Carlos. I had two teams that did very, very well today. Um, you know, having a wife from San Diego and being somebody that lived there for a long time and went to a lot of games. Uh, the Padres are looking pretty pretty sexy right now, getting jury. Um, and the Reds, man, I mean, it's the first time I've actually given a shit about them. Probably, <laughs> like, or been excited in, in at least since they traded Sonny Gray. Nice, nice. We've also got Sydney coming back on tonight. Sydney, how are you? I am doing quite all right. All right. Well, big news today is that uh, today was a trade deadline, obviously, and Reds made a series of moves, probably highlighted by Tyler Malley going to the Twins. And in return, the Reds got, I think, a pretty good deal. Two really good bats and a pitcher, whose names I will, uh, as soon as I can find them, uh, <laughs> Spencer Steer. Uh, was the re- the Twins' seventh-ranked prospect according to the Major League Pipeline uh, power hitter. Also, uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand, another power hitter. Uh, he was ranked, I believe, 23rd by MLB, but Fangraphs had him a bit higher. And uh, a left-handed pitcher was Steven Hajar, was ranked number 18. Uh, Fangraphs had him higher, too. Um, but the thing is, is... These guys, I was, I mean, we talked really just a couple of days ago about the return that the Reds got for Luis Castillo, but I was just as impressed, really, with what they got for uh, Tyler Malley. Wick, give me your thoughts. 
Yeah, so my my initial reaction is, A, just in a vacuum, what they got for, for Tyler Malley was a, a very good return. Spencer Steers, a guy who's already cracked the top 100 list in Baseball America's latest update, uh, played in the Futures game just a couple weeks ago, and deservedly so because he's absolutely mashed the ball. But, um, you know, we talk so much about not just what the Reds had traded for over the winter, but also what they traded Luis Castillo for. And then their their first round of the draft this year, where they went as young as any team in baseball history did with going a 17-year-old and an 18-year-old with their first two picks. Um, it all kind of kicked the can down the road a couple years in a, a good way because they were accumulating tons of prospects. Um, you know, guys like Chase Petty and Connor Phillips, even from the winter, along with what they got for Castillo. But it was, you know, we're talking 2025 before we see most of those guys up there. And when you look at the big league roster, and you see the rookie of the year from last year there, and Tyler Stevenson, who is, uh, you know, if he can stay healthy, he's a cornerstone piece somewhere. Hopefully it's behind the plate. Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft, which we saw from him tonight. Like, you hope the Reds weren't just passing those guys by as they plan for four more, three, two or three more years down the road. Uh, the Mally deal got guys who were 24, 22 years old. I mean, Christian Incarnation Strand turns 23 in December. Spears, 24. These are pieces you're going to see next year. Um, and so, for me, this was the deal that kind of hopefully ties the room together, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, because the Reds obviously don't want to spend money at this point in time. So, you know, wait, waiting for the prospects they got in the draft and for the other deals down the road is one thing. But getting pieces like this will fit in alongside what they still have as early as maybe potentially later this year. If Steer continues to hit the way he does, um, it was kind of a big, big step to kind of like maybe tie this entire plan together. Um, and so I think that was that was a that was a really cool development. Aside from the fact that I think they actually got really good value for Tyler Malley. Well, I think Steer has a chance of possibly being called up in September. Uh, I mean, yeah, you've got not a whole lot right now with third base and and with the big leagues. You no, got, he's, he's, go ahead, Brandon. One injury of being up next week. Yeah, I mean, I think he's the next guy up if somebody <laughs> gets hurt. Uh, Carlos, yeah. what's your thoughts? Branch, I'll come right back to you. Sorry, Carlos. Oh, what are on. what are your thoughts on the Mally deal? Um. I mean, I'm not going to give a a big league breakdown like Rick did. Jim. You should let Branch go after that. Damn, he broke that down nice. But uh, I, I really don't have a whole lot on, on the prospects. All I can go is what people like Wick and Doug and, you know, Clay from, from just baseball talk about. And for all, all those guys to be ecstatic about it, I mean, I guess I should jump on board because they know a lot better than I do, so – I mean, good on good on crawl, good on the Reds for doing what they said they were going to do, um, and hopefully it is, it is a, a shorter rebuild than what most people are thinking. Yeah, I, uh, I'm I'm glad that Mike Mustakis wasn't attached to either Castillo or Mali because that would have significantly hurt what would have come back. And they still say, I believe it was. Charlie Goldsmith said that they saved $10.2 million just in 2022 salary in the deals they made during this, uh, during this trade deadline. So save money and uh, stockpiled some prospects still, still wish they would try to compete a little bit more, but you know, branch, what are your thoughts on the Mally deal? Um, I really, really like it. I don't like it as well as I did the Castillo deal, of course. Um, 
Spencer Steer, I wasn't real. I'm not real high on. I see his ceiling. It's, it's, if he if he makes it to the major leagues, as probably a power hitting Kyle Farmer, that makes any sense. I was trying to. I, the only reason I didn't really like Steer for the Reds, it was he's going to muddle the infield even more. Now, if he comes up and does great or moves to the outfield, one of the corner positions, he's got power. I am not worried about that at all. I'm worried about him just there there's such a there's gonna be such a logjam of infielders, and I don't see him as defensively being able to hang in there at all. But we have a DH now, so who see who knows. Um love Christian at Carson Ohm Strand, if I can say his name right. Carson Ohm. We'll call him CES from here on out. Love this kid. Been following the, the the twin system for quite a while because it's so stinking deep. It's not like got a ton of, you know, like, you know, Soto type prospects, but it's just got a lot of solid could be major league baseball player type prospects. Wasn't he in, one of my wasn't he an Oklahoma State guy? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and Coop, you can attest to this. In the chat group, I was talking him up before the, the, the Miley deal even went down. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this guy, I'm going to throw a name out there. It's going to throw people, but I think it's a lost art in baseball, much like a knuckleball. He's a bad ball hitter. <laughs> bad ball hitter. And, like like Roberto Clemente. That's what one of the things that made Clemente so good is he didn't go to the plate going, I've got to wait on my pitch. He went to the plate going, give me something. Like a Vladimir Guerrero And that's, that's what he does. He goes to play, and, and he could probably become a little bit more zone-disciplined. But if he sees something he can do something with, he hits the damn thing. You know, I mean, I mean, his slash line since moving to double-A, 333, 400, 685, with five home runs. He's moving play. to double-A. That'll play. I mean, he's just going off. You know, and some of the videos of him. Now, I will admit, on the Victor, um, or not Victor, uh, on the, the Stephen Hajar, is that how we pronounce it? Or is it Hajar? Well, let's just go with Hajar. Hasher. Hasher? It's a SH. Hasher? The two J's are like a Hasher. SH. Yeah. Hasher. If I'm butchering it, I'm sorry. I truly don't mean to be. Well, yeah. And, I know, mean. Uh, I, I, don't know much, I don't know much about him. I really didn't even really know. And I knew the system pretty well. I didn't really know too awful much about him. Seems like it'll be okay. Left-handed pitcher. They're always handy. You know? So well, I, actually, I love the Mount and the well, we'll get to that. In a yeah, yeah. Anyway, I love. I really, really like this deal. This is there is some there's there's two guys that their floor is major league baseball players. Yeah, right now, and that's you can't expect anything better than that. Graham Ashcraft went for the perfect or perfect complete game and uh, just gave a bleed off double. So hopefully they don't bring in uh, Hunter Strickland, who so shockingly was not traded today. Um. <laughs> Sydney, you want to go ahead with your uh, Tower Mally take? Absolutely. So my take is um, I was really hoping that they would, much like Wick, get people who could possibly be on the roster this year, if not next. Because, like Wick said, a lot of these guys they've gotten in the other trades are a couple years down the road. So somebody's going to have to be on this 26 or 28-man roster somebody's going to have to play for the Reds, you know, as good as it is to see good players playing for the lookouts and playing for the bats in the dragons and such, someone's going to have to be in Cincinnati. So 
I was happy to see them get two players with um, CES and um, oh goodness, what was the other guy's name? Shoot, um, Streer. Yeah, Steer. Um, yeah, Steer. Happy to Steer. see that they got um, two guys who are pretty darn close to the majors and um, two guys who hit for a ton of power, which if anything's going to play at Great American Ballpark, it's going to be power. Um, and they both have been, they both have pretty good um, amount of runs batted in this year. Um, Steer has 60-some, and I think I saw that CES has like 80 already. Yeah, between and it's A not and even, AA, yeah. Not even the end of, you know, we're just at the beginning of August, so I think top 100. Um, and then with the last guy, Steve um, Hashar, or however you pronounce that, um, he, he looks pretty good, left-handed pitcher. You can never have too many of those. Um, has a 3.18 ERA right now um, in low A. I know it; it's low A, so I mean, don't look into it too much. But I like that he hasn't given out too many walks and has only given up three home runs this year. And if anyone knows anything about Great American Ballpark, that's always the bugaboo. That's always that's like one of the reasons why I think Tyler Malley is going to be amazing for the Twins. Because um, he's not going to have to pitch here anymore. But yeah, and I thought they did it really well. A lot of people made a big deal out of the home and road splits of Tower Malley, and it's it was legitimate. I mean, he <laughs> pitched better on the road than he did at Great American Ballpark. Now, absolutely, there was uh, a certain person who likes to try to fight people on the internet who was shouting into the void all afternoon about how Great American Ballpark is not a hitter's park and was trying to throw numbers out there but uh streer i think like i said or steer i keep saying streer i think will probably be up by the end of the year i just for some reason i just think that's going to happen what's that you know you You liked him early in the day oh yeah i was wanting him uh and then uh there was another guy that twins have twins have all kinds of power in their system um but yeah i was really happy with ces Moving on, we'll move on to uh, another deal that happened today. Brandon, Drew. if I uh, no, go I ahead. Can jump in real quick. Sorry about that. I was looking it up, so I'm over here lost in silence. But the Reds now have the Twins' first round, second round, and fourth round pick from the 2021 draft um, in Petty Hayar. I think it's Hayar. I was also trying to figure that out as well. Um, Petty Hayar and Encarnacion Strand. Yeah, their first, their second, and their fourth round pick from the 2021 draft. So um, hopefully that draft class holds up because the Reds basically just poached the entire top of it uh, from the twin system. That's a great way to look at it. That's not too fair. I mean, we've basically poached their draft and then all of the Mariners' prospects. Yeah. So (laughs) we're banking on their evaluators pretty, pretty heavily right now. Hey, I mean, <laughs> Twins have pretty good record of success of bringing people up. So, hey, and this one belongs to the Reds, by the way. Woo! Shout out to not Hunter Strickland for getting the save. Um, but the other deal, another deal that happened today was uh, Brandon Drury went to uh, 
the San Diego Padres and in return got what uh, at the beginning of the day was the Padres 11th ranked prospect but at the time of the deal it turned out to be the 8th ranked prospect after a certain other deal happened uh, shortstop Victor Acosta who's a young guy tons of potential and Carlos I'm actually going to start with you on this one since he uh, went to your team your other team team you pitched for what are your thoughts on uh one drury with the padres and two acosta coming back um i really like it i liked it even before they had voight in the deal um i knew his power is going to be gone um the homers will probably turn into doubles there at petco but i mean that's just as good i mean once they all get healthy and odds of them being all healthy at the same time probably slim but you know they've got they've got backup and so I mean, they're ready to go get it. It's exciting to to be a fan. <laughs> um, and as far as on who they got in return, again, don't know anything about the fella, but people are saying it's good. I'm going to believe them. And I don't know. I'm I'm just wondering, all these prospects that they're getting, is, is next year out of the question? They're going to have so much money available. I mean, Wick's probably a question for you. You'd probably know better than I would, but I mean, they're going to have to spend some money just to get close to $100 million for a payroll, right? Yeah, I think uh, I, I ran like quick math, and on like the five big players and Suarez and Winker and Gray and Castillo and, and Malley, they traded within the last five months. That's roughly $53 million given arbitration estimates. Obviously, it's flexible a little bit, but that's about $53 million that they had on the books for next year if they kept all those guys. That's now off. And that's on top of everything they saved in 2022 by dumping all those guys before this year and also dumping uh, Miley and, and Barnhart before those options got picked up. So they've saved they've saved a shitload of money, like no doubt about it, they have. So um, that's and that's kind of where I get in all this. It's like, you know, you look up at all the things that they've stockpiled for 2024, 2025. Like if the Cardinals had that kind of roster set up for 2024 and 2025 and the kind of payroll flexibility they have right now, They'd be signing Trey Turner this winter. You know, they'd, they'd be using it now and then banking on the prospects later. Uh, that, that's where I'm interested to see where all this kind of falls with the Reds because are they going to are they going to kind of jumpstart it? Are they, does that mean an extension? Is it going to be Jonathan Indy extension season now? How are they going to bridge that gap from you know the, the five or six prominent rookies they've brought up over the last two years to what they have stockpiled that's supposed to come up in another two years with all that money that's come off the books? Are they going to are they going to double down on all prospects and deal a guy like India and get two more pieces to add to the 2024, 2025 pile? Or are they going to use any of that money to kind of sign guys to extensions or bring in a corner outfield piece that's going to be here for seven years to kind of be that next cornerstone? I don't I don't know, but God, they saved so much money in, in what they've done that you would like to think that there'd be some sort of bridge to that, you know? I saw something, and I forget who tweeted it, so I apologize for not giving you credit, but after these deals today, the fifth highest paid red in 2022 is Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> yeah. Who's still making, I think, three and a I half million see, I a just have a hard time like accepting and believing that they're just going to waste another year of these three pitchers. And That's I'm where not, I am, yeah. You know, like, odds are there's going to be one horse and the other two will fall in line, you know, like a two or three. But that's still three pretty good starters right there just to waste a whole other year. And not to mention, like you said, India and Stevenson, that's another year wasted if 
they don't make some sort of attempt to, I'm not saying maybe go out there and spend enough to win a division, but to be competitive enough in a wild card spot. I mean, it's just, I just don't see how they're going to skip a whole entire year right now. Well, especially yeah. when you think not only the salary they cleared for this year and next year with, uh, you know, you're not going to have to pay arbitration for Mali or uh, Castillo, but after 2023, Moustakis comes off the books, uh, Joey Votto's deal is done, and you're going to have like a nothing sort of. pay. Well, yeah. Um, would love to have him back, but you know how that goes. Um, but they're going to have a even m- more payroll flexibility after I mean, 2023. They, they spent like what, like less than $25 million total on uh, FAM, Solano, Minor and Strickland this year is kind of like your hope they play well enough that you can flip them for a better prospect than they're worth kind of contracts. Like, and that was on the, the payroll this year, and they're shedding that much more next year. Like, even if you just mimic that kind of premise and go say, well, all right, let's fill the gaps with the guys we can get on one year deals for next year, like, I feel like you could put 25, 30 million bucks into this team, still be a, a $90 million payroll team, which will rank. 23rd 22nd in the league but also have like a lot of upside and the chance that like things could really go right and if things for whatever reason really do go right and i don't know not juan soto because he just got traded but something like that comes available at the deadline and you've got a top three system which the reds have now you got options like i feel like you you can't you can't just totally wait for admittedly a great stockpile of prospects who should be ready as early as 2025 to come do when realistically you're hoping that out of that group, you're going to get a rookie of the year and a four win player like Tyler Stevenson can be. And a guy like Hunter Green, who when he pitches, they put stats up about how like nobody has ever done what he's done as a rookie and Lodolo and Ashcraft, like you hope five of those guys turn out as well as these five guys did to pass on them all together. It's just like, I, I don't know how you do that. So you have to spend to give them a chance if, or or trade them out while they got value in cash in to go all in for the future. I don't know how you just don't do either. Well, like Overton could come back and, and be really solid too. So, yeah, I, li- I like the question about the pitching. I'm sorry to jump in, but it just – No, you're good. Go ahead. It, it, I, I think it's pretty interesting. Well, um, and you got Brandon Williamson they, and uh, Justin Dunn yeah. still. See if he can put it together. I yeah. mean – there's there's options. Hey, we've been joined by. Know. Hold on a second. We've been joined by Mo Egger. Say hi, Mo. Let's start over. <laughs> oh boy. Um, Sydney, give me your uh, uh, Drury take, and then we'll go to Mo for his takes on the trades. Gotcha. So, um, I like that they were able to get what at the time was a top ten prospect for a minor league deal, um, basically, and I'm happy that. Drew Drury was able to turn around his career with us, and you know what? We'll, I like that we keep getting prospects because I mean, what do they say? Like one out of every three pans out. So I mean, let's just keep throwing darts at the wall. <clears throat> but honestly, I wish they would have kept him because what are we going to do at the end of this season? Like Wick was talking about, we're going to be looking for branded Drurys. So, I mean, he's a free agent. So, I mean, unless the Padres sign him, I'd like for him to come back. 
because I mean we're just gonna be looking for more people like him. But that's my thoughts. Yeah, I... it will be good to have people with a World Series championship uh, pedigree to come back. <laughs> to the hey, that's Mike Stockins, all right? Yeah, Mike Moustakis' ring hasn't really done a whole lot here in Cincinnati. Um, Mo, we were just talking about the Miley trade and the Drury trade. What are your thoughts on the return and uh, what this means in the future? Well, you know, the return is encouraging. I, uh, I defer to people who actually, you know, have, have uh, done deep dives into the organizations that these guys have come from and you know, we've we've spent a lot of time the last two days on the air talking with people who, you know, cover cover minor league systems and and have pretty good knowledge of of you know how the the Mariners system was stockpiled and same for Minnesota and there seems to be a great amount of optimism uh, regarding what the Reds have have done to uh you know to to their um collection of prospects and and there's certainly a lot of optimism that this thing can get turned around. Obviously, not so much in the near term, but with with the guys that they have acquired, and and not just you know over the last couple of days, but with guys that they have drafted, guys who have you know sort of steadily rose through their system, and 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 players they acquired uh, this past off season. It's it's hard for me, man. I mean, look, I <clears throat> there, there's still just this feeling of emptiness, even watching the game tonight. As good as good as Graham Ashcraft was, like this was one of the most exciting days. Um in baseball in years. This was awesome. If you're just following along as a fan of the sport, I mean, this was, <clears throat> if Rob Manfred actually knew how to promote his game, this would be a day that you pointed to and say, God, look at the, the engagement that people had with baseball and transactions and who's going to go where. And I was, I was praying that Eric Hosmer really held the key to Juan Soto going to <laughs> San Diego. Cause I love the idea of him, you know, being able to, to leverage, leverage Come that, on, but, no. Yeah, that's pretty. But funny, I mean, though. you know, sorry, sorry, Carlos. But I, at the same time, it's like, yeah, they're they're gearing up for the next couple of months in so many other towns, and we're talking ourselves into 2025, and that's not why I love this game. It's not why I follow the sport. It's it's not why I invest day to day in this team, and and I think most fans feel that way, and I think you can sort of feel empty about you know not only you know where we are right now in the very short term, hopefully, but also. I just I can't help but wonder as I've seen the Reds get pretty good return for a bunch of guys who were on last year's team. I still can't help but wonder um, what would have happened had they actually given last year's team a chance with all these guys that everybody apparently really, really wants. So there's yeah. that. But I think more than anything, the the overriding sentiment that I'm sort of left with is, you know, I, maybe Nick crawl's good at his job. And and this has sort of been the theme that I've been banging, you know, God knows for, for months, like is on August 2nd on or around August 2nd, is Nick going to be allowed to act independent of um, any sort of payroll considerations, any sort of mandates from ownership, um, any sort of last minute swoops in where he's got a deal done and they step in and go, no, we're not going to move this guy because fans are going to be mad or, you know, we think we can sign this guy or he's a fan favorite. And instead it really genuinely felt like for the first time, he truly was able to act with autonomy and make decisions with the, the direction they're headed in in mind and with the overall health of the baseball operations in mind. And that's all I've wanted. I wanted, I've wanted him to be able to do that and, and he'll be held accountable for the results. If it turns out that, 
he has successfully constructed a quality club in a couple of years. He'll get all the credit in the world. And if not, uh, they'll just find somebody else. And within that framework, <clears throat> you know, this is, I'm certainly not patting myself on the back and I'm certainly not, you know, acting like I had some sort of inside Intel that they were going to trade with the Mariners and twins. But amid all of the sort of media East coast media, you know, drum bagging for, well, the Reds should just give Luis Castillo to the Yankees. And I, I remember even saying on Twitter early last week, like, you do realize they don't have to trade him to the Yankees. They can trade him to anybody they want that wants him that gives them something back in return. And so to me, you know, look, would, would the Yankees love Luis Castillo? Of course. And, uh, you know, would you love Garrett Cole and Luis Castillo game one and two of a playoff series if you're a Yankees fan? Absolutely. But they're going to the postseason, and they have a good chance of getting to the World Series. They're running away with the American League East. And even if they don't win this year, they're the Yankees, right? And so to me, what was always interesting would be if you could kind of leverage against a, another team that's in contention, that is scratching and clawing to get in the postseason, but leverage them against their fans. Like in Seattle, I can't imagine being a Mariners fan. If I found out, wait a minute, we had a chance to get Luis Castillo and you didn't, I've waited 21 years to be in the postseason because you want to keep a couple of guys who aren't going to be in the big leagues for a while. Are you kidding me? And so I, I was talking on our show on Friday. Uh, audio of this does exist um, of like <laughs> teams like Seattle and like Minnesota and a handful of others that the starting pitching isn't great. There's a clear need there. Uh, what they did in that, you know, great winning streak in Seattle wasn't sustainable probably with the team that they had. Both teams are in dogfights to make the postseason. The the Twins are in a great race in the are good race, I guess, in the American League Central. Like, boy, is is there a way to sort of prey on their desperation and prey on the fact that they're they're not you know adding pieces just for the postseason. They're trying to add pieces to get to the postseason, and it feels to me that's that that's what Nick Crawl did. I I don't know if he could have or couldn't have gotten a better package of guys in any one of these deals had another team been involved, but it did feel to me like there was a, a, a willingness by ownership to, okay, Nick, go ahead and do what you got to do. B a, an unwillingness to capitulate to the Yankees and Dodgers, maybe just because they're the Yankees and Dodgers and go and get the best offer, go and get the best deal and, and do it independent of, you know, what position the, the, the prospects played. I've, I've laughed at the people who are scoffing at the idea of, well, now they've got too many shortstops. Well, they're playing a, a catcher at shortstop right now, so they clearly don't have too many. Like, I mean, so it's it's shortstop. It's the most important position. And by the way, if these guys can all play shortstop, they can probably play other positions too. So correct. I, I actually, within the framework of of you know what Nick is being asked to do, um, a were they going to actually stick to a plan? And again, that's been a, a frequent criticism of this franchise, right? They're going in run, one direction and then they quickly pivot towards something else. And it's frustrating. This represented a a continuation of the plan. I don't know that it's going to work. It is certainly frustrating in the in, in the interim as as we watch this team. Uh, obviously, not the last few nights, but as we watch this team sort of go on a death march to ninety or ninety five or maybe a hundred losses. But it, it is a plan. It represents a plan. And then within the framework of that plan, it certainly seems like Nick Craw got pretty good return for for the guys that he traded away. And so. Um, again, th there's sort of the empty feeling of, again, they're not going to the postseason. Everybody else is having so much fun gearing up for this year. 
All right, but if you remove that, did Nick do this part of his job successfully, and was he allowed? And I think the answer to both questions uh, are yes. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of baseball people have been telling the, the national writers even that uh, the returns that he got for Castillo and Mally especially were un- almost universally praised throughout baseball. Uh, there were a couple of other deals that happened. Tommy Pham got slapped to Boston. Hey, Coop. Yeah. Coop. Can I jump in here? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Mo, you're not you're not going to remember this show, but I was driving <laughs> home some <laughs> July in 2014, and you're on the radio. <laughs> and you're on the radio. And I, I even remember where I was driving down on 64 when you, when you said this. Jesus. You were making the case. It was before the trade deadline in 2014. Walt Jockety was still the manager. The Reds were going to finish in fourth place that oh, year. Sure. It just wasn't happening, you know? The the window was shutting. You were saying the window was shutting. And you were making a case that they needed to sell then. Mm -hmm. And And I still remember it because I remember thinking, because it was like the first time I went, oh, my gosh, he's right. They absolutely need to sell. You know, it's the and, first and time I'm you right. Oh my did it. No, we were just joking about how he said it was the first time he was right. Okay. <laughs> no. oh, oh, yeah. Sorry, Sorry about that. Go ahead. I'll, I'll hear something. Like, I was talking so I couldn't hear it. But, you know, and, and, and at that time, you know, Johnny Cueto had a .6 war. Todd Frazier had a 4.7 war. I don't want to look up what they were in 2015, but they were worse. I know but they were. You got that All-Star Mike game. Leak had a two, 2.0 war. Uh, Chapman was 1.9. You know, hell, Homer Bailey is 1.5. They they held on too long at that time. And, I, and it, it's funny that I don't know, you know, sometimes you just remember, and I've always remembered that conversation that Mo had with his listeners and if I remember correctly, there was people calling in giving him heat. Oh, you don't give up. He, but he was like, he was like, well, if you're not going to fill in the spots that need filled in, if you're not going to win the division this year, what's going to make it different next year? Well, and, I I uh, I, rem- I do remember that well. If you're not, if you if you, yeah. if you want me to elaborate on that, go because ahead, I've ahead. I've referenced. I've referenced that trade deadline often. So the Reds that year, it was frustrating as hell. Obviously, the previous year, they won 90 oh. games. But it was a really unfulfilling, you know, playoff berth. Not just losing to the Pirates the way they did, but the whole season, I mean, from the get-go, just just felt underwhelming. And maybe that was hangover from the previous October. And then 2013 ends. They fire Dusty. And then I think Walt Jockety went on like a cruise around the world because – he proceeded to do nothing to the team. Uh, yeah. They, they let Shinsu Chu go, and understandably so. They moved on from Bronson Arroyo, understandably so. But, I mean, there was no attempt to make a, a good team but a flawed team better. And I remember often during that offseason going, do we really think just, you know, letting Dusty Baker go and we sort of wipe our hands and, uh, all right, uh, going to go back to winning 95, 97 games? And, frankly, there were a lot of people who thought that that was the case. And, it was a really weird year. You know, Votto missed 100 yeah. games. And they, they, 
you know, they were sort of kind of in it around the all-star break, but, but I remember distinctly, they, they didn't add, they, they didn't buy. And Walt Jockety, the Reds coincidentally enough, were in Miami. And Walt Jockety was asked, um, okay, well, you didn't buy. Did you ever, you know, did you ever think about going into sell mode? Did, did teams approach you with, you know, I, you know, ideas or prospects for your established guys? And, and Walt said, and if I'm not quoting verbatim, I'm oh, parafer- paraphrasing very closely, but he said, you know, do you know who my boss is? Yeah. And it was a reference to Bob Castellini not wanting to abandon the idea of winning. And it was essentially an admission that, like, I, we can't. We, we can't. we probably should. We're not really in it. And I remember kind of making the case, like, if, if, you're, if you have to ask whether or not you should buy something, you shouldn't. That applies to real life, and, and I think it kind of applies to baseball here, especially with where the Reds are. If you have to ask, are we buyers, you're not. And so, okay, let's look at this team. Um, they got a whole lot of guys who are you know going to be moving on soon, getting pay raises. Uh, it's it's probably time to admit that this window is closing. So let's let's do what's next, and let's get a jump start on that right now. And then Walt essentially you know acknowledged, well, I'm not allowed. And so then what happened? Well, over the course of the next year, two years, we eventually watched them go into sell mode. And, you know, the guys they gave away, um, none of those dudes made any sort of impact. I mean, it's it's what makes Luis Castillo sort of stand out, right? I mean, they they flipped Dan Straley for him at the end of all that. And he was the only guy that stuck. Most of those other guys, the Dilson Herreras and Brandon Finnegan's and all these other clowns they got, never did anything. And so they allowed the value of some of the guys they could have moved on from to depreciate. And so it's why as much as I hated the idea of trading Luis Castillo and I hated the idea of moving on from Tyler Malley for all the obvious reasons, learn your lesson from that, right? Learn your lesson from let's, let's not let these, you know, prime assets um, go through a reduction in value. And then we trade them anyway and we get 50 cents on the dollar. But yeah, that 2014, I remember it vividly. I I I, I remember vividly, yeah. you know, hearing from folks. I don't know how many games out of first place the Reds were, but they were like, you know, certainly not as bad as they are this year. But they they you watched them for two thirds of a season. You knew they weren't going to contend. You you just and, and yeah. Vado wasn't healthy. We did the whole thing of him resuming baseball activities in September, and and to me the lessons of that have reverberated for eight years and. I'm not. I'm sure that's not why the Reds did what they did, but just in terms of how we talk about this, that I re- I've I've referenced that time quite often. And by the way, if if that was the only time you ever listened, thanks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel like thank you for I feel like um, <laughs> Go ahead, Carlos. I feel like finally with Crawl, we have you know, just this year, especially after the trade trade deadline and the moves that he made. And what he got, and who he got when he got him, it it feels like he knows what the plan is. Maybe they haven't shared it with the public, but he's got a plan. Okay, here's your budget that you're allowed to spend in 2023, 2024, 2025, 2026. These are the players that you have on. Go after. Like the guys that he got this off season. I mean, he turned those. He knew those guys could hit. He brought those guys in. They hit even better at Great American Ballpark. He got a little something for them. You know, a little something is, is better than nothing, obviously. And, you know, I, I feel like Crawl deserves a break. I, I mean, you saw that article that came out about Bowden whenever he was um, 
the GM under shot and like all the deals that she shot down because of friendships, uh, friendships with players' wives. Shout like, out to Hal Morris. You don't really know what the owner is telling these guys, and and, and they're the ones who's, who's getting worn out. It's find myself weird protecting Nick Crawl, but here I am, and it's it's all kind of starting to make sense, and I have a little bit of faith in in what he's doing right now because I mean. He just came in and he's executing pretty damn well. I bet you he will, you know, get a lot of votes for GM of the year this year. No, even I, as bad as the big league team is. I agree oh, with you absolutely. in that. Uh, yeah, it's got to be Preller. Yeah, because well, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to the Padres deal. Um, <laughs> well, there's 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 a ahead, thing Dave. about there's a thing about like the whole GM concept that I think a lot of casual fans just kind of either overlook, don't don't process, or whatever. But like to lean on like the, the prospect evaluation tools. I think a lot of people think that every GM is like a 60 to 70 grade in every category that's, that's out there, which is patently false. Like there are certain guys that get to be GMs in major league baseball because they're good at one or two very specific things. Like Dave Dabrowski has made an entire career out of making big trades and signing big contracts and trying to identify which guys who might've been three or four win players have five or six win seasons in them. A lot of GMs out there are tasked with something very, very different, which is finding guys who people don't think are worth anything that they can get two to three wins out of and do it very, very cheaply and try to accumulate that in a roster setting. Um, Nick Roll seems to me to be a lot, lot different than Dick Williams was, where Dick Williams was the kind of guy who was looking to get that extra win above replacement, spending money to do so, but doing so against other teams that were also in that same mold and mix. Paul's not shopping in the same aisle that Dick Williams was. Um, you know, whether or not Bob Castellini was behind both of those decisions or not, we don't know now. We might never know. But point being, it looks like Nick Crawl has been given the flexibility and freedom to say, look, you're good at this, which might be identifying underappreciated prospects, timing-wise, cashing in on players that have, you know, have done well and looked good at the certain amount of time he has to be able to evaluate them, and finding times to make deals that look to be um, uh, amassing players that that, that 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 other front offices weren't necessarily looking for at that time. And I think that's the, the key in all this. We talk about, like, like sticking to a plan specifically. Um, maybe this is why Crawl was brought in. Maybe it was because he's very good at what this this front office or what this ownership is looking to do and not vice versa. And I think that the, the, the ability to kind of call payroll isn't necessarily because front office was so broke they couldn't see straight, but also because they found somebody who can operate at that end of the market. And I tweeted it out earlier. He took a huge gamble, Nick crawled in, and how he operated for everything he did this particular timeline. Like when the, when the lockout broke and they traded Suarez and, and Winker immediately – um, before the lockout even happened, when they gave away Tucker Barnhart and, and, and Wade Miley because it was evident they didn't have the money for the buyouts at that point in time, the entire winter, everybody knew the Reds were broke as could be and weren't going to spend a damn thing. And rather than him kind of fueling that by going out and saying, okay, well, what else do we have we can give away? Here's Castillo, here's Mally, yada, yada, yada. He held tight on what he had, and obviously they had a little bit of money to spend because they, they did the minor deal, which didn't make a whole lot of sense at the time. They signed Donovan Solano and Strickland. They they spent some money showing that they weren't totally just you know insolvent at that point in time. 
But they gambled holding on to Castillo and Malley. They gambled knowing that if they stayed healthy and they pitched as well as they could, which they pretty much did, that this particular deadline was going to be the time where they could cash in biggest for the future. And it was a risk. It was a definite risk, but it was one of the kind of thing that makes me say he's got more power in the front office than I think some of the other GMs out there did because Castellini didn't say, no, get what you can right now and cut costs, get them off the books. He gave crawl the ability to kind of manipulate that a little bit. He waited patiently and he struck when the, when the, when the iron was hot. And I think that's the kind of, decision and obviously there's a ton of luck involved because castillo had a shoulder injury that put him on the injury list and miss a month to start the season mally was on it three weeks ago that could have derailed all of this but it didn't and as a result they got the kind of returns that you think you might look up years down the road and say wow that threaded about three different deals very very closely but maybe that's what the Nick Crawl was brought in to do and he got lucky enough to be able to pull off the things that he wanted to do and so that's to me, it's it's incredibly intriguing to see how that all plays out. Now, my question is, if he's the guy who is, you know, the, the Mr. White from Reservoir Dogs who was brought in to clean up the mess. Oh, that's a reference. Um, uh, he cleaned up the mess. Oh, yes. Can, can, can he start over again now? You know, we talked about getting $53 million off the books for next year. You've got a GM now who has shown a pretty good proclivity to tearing things down. Does he know how to build? You know, does he know how to strike on – a free agent this offseason? Um, does he know how to make the deal to take three of these prospects he just got and go get a pre-arb guy that's going to be around for four years, five years, and pick the right one? That that we don't know. But for for his job and for what he was asked to do, everything lined up for him, and he struck it, and I don't know if he could have done a better job with it. But now we get to find out whether or not he can make that next step with this franchise or if he is just Mr. White who came in <laughs> and cleaned it all up. You know? Well – to me, it'll be interesting to see how the Reds stick to the plan. Whatever the plan is, and like Carlos was saying, like you were saying, they've obviously got a plan behind the scenes now. Um, probably Nick Crawl said after opening day and the shenanigans, opening, you know, the Reds opening day at home and the shenanigans went down there, that this is, the, this is what I want to do. And somebody listened because... He made like like we all saying these were good moves that he made today and in the days prior. If he follows that up with sticking to whatever the plan is, and they don't have to make it public, that's their business. But whatever the plan is, if they can at least stick to it, if it's if it's working, obviously, and not change plans from year to year, which I think is what has killed them in the past, is okay. Well. We have this year. We're going to bring in Mike Mustakis and Nick Castellanos, and whoopsie! Um, I was pretty much done anyway. Coop just teamed the Coop cast. <laughs> I just cooped my own Coop cast. What I what I think is is going to be interesting, and this probably doesn't matter. Might not matter to any of you. It it it's not going to matter to a lot of fans. But um, Dick Williams, say what you want about him as an executive whether you thought he was great whether you thought he had no idea what he was doing he was on un undeserving of the job uh if the pandemic doesn't get here he's you know hoisting a commissioner's trophy however you feel about him what he was great at was trade deadline comes and goes he's the voice of that he's a spokesperson um and and i i think that's that's been missing you know look the 
the attempt to have Phil Castellini kind of be the voice of what they're doing from a baseball perspective, I think it goes without saying that's not gone well. Um, and, and I don't <laughs> think it ever will. I mean, I, I just think now, uh, even if, if Phil takes some incredible PR classes, folks are just going to look at him at this point. And I'm not saying anything that I wouldn't say to him personally. Uh, I think folks are just going to look at him and go, whatever, dude, you're the bobblehead guy who just asked, where are you going to go? So Nick crawl, when Dick was here, kind of operated mostly behind the scenes. And, and I don't think, and again, this is nothing I wouldn't say to him. I, I don't, I don't think has been as, has been very good at being our, at articulating what they're trying to do. You know, I, he, he probably shouldn't have dropped the peaks and valleys line. I think most of us knew what he's referencing, but look, I, I took that and ran and, and a lot of people did. Uh, you know, there was a communication issue last year, I think with, with Senzel being, being optioned out and Nick was in the Phillies in the, in the clubhouse in Philadelphia one day. And we just played the audio. Cause I'm like, this guy doesn't really sound like he knows what he's doing. And, and that doesn't mean, a, that he can't get to a point where he's good at communicating what the franchise is doing. And B, it doesn't mean by any stretch that he's bad at his job or an incompetent executive. But I, I think this franchise, which let's face it, um, as much as today may have really bolstered their chances of fielding a, a pretty good team in a couple of years, there is still a wide gulf between it and a whole lot of fans. And they care massively about PR and how they're being perceived. And so the messaging from great American ballpark over the last couple of years has been awful. And, you know, the, the results on the field have been underwhelming as well for the most part, but the, the messaging has been awful. And just for me, because I'm interested in such things, I think it's going to be fascinating to see how that evolves because it's, uh, it, it I think it's it's clear to most of us that it, Bob is is not really equipped to kind of convey the message as to what they're doing. Nobody's going to take Phil seriously, and I don't think that's always been Nick's strength, but I think it's going to have to be. Um, and so, if it's not, well, then what are we doing? And and again, that that might not matter. You know, th there are franchises in which you know they they just let the on field stuff do its speaking, but I the Reds aren't good enough to do that yet, and so. I do feel like there is going to be a desire by the franchise and for some fans, a need to have some message out there. And I'm really interested in who's going to articulate it. And I would like to think that along with just sort of taking over the reins of the baseball operations and being allowed to do his job and having some successes, including some of the guys that they did add to this year's roster, um, you know, after they traded away guys like Sonny Gray, I would like to think that in addition to that, that, that Nick is being groomed to kind of be the, the voice of this franchise. Um, because again, if he's not, I think we all know who it can't be. And if it's not Nick, then who is it going to be? And there's going to be a time in which maybe that doesn't matter uh, that they're consistently winning 90 plus games and who cares, but I do think you are still going to hear people who want to hear from the Reds, what are you doing? What's the plan? What's happening here? And I don't think over the last couple of years they've had anybody who can really kind of project that message. Uh, from March 14th, quote, we're not trying to rebuild. Um, quote, this is not a payroll move. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I, I like the moves you made since then, but like, come on. Like, did, did anything change? Or 
was the narrative always the narrative and you just operated independently of that because you know it, it's either that or you just you told everybody exactly the wrong thing which was either the wrong thing or you know a lie which not that it ultimately matters if you turn the team into a winner but like if you keep doing those things, we're going to keep fighting the receipts. Like that's kind of what we do, you know? Yeah. I mean, just the execution, they're going to have Reds Fest this year, I think. Uh, and obviously messages from ownership in the front office are always a big part of that, certainly from the standpoint of what we do. And so um, I- I'm sure there's going to be some effort to uh, rehabilitate Phil Castellini's uh, image and relationship with the public and, and you know that 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 can still happen. I don't know that it can happen with him, you know, really being the voice of here's what we're doing from a baseball perspective. I I yeah. I think you know, I, I've often said as somebody who's been uber critical of Red's ownership for those who say, well, Phil's got to go, and I hated what he said on opening day, largely because I was sitting right there. But <laughs> you know, pe- for people who have said, boy, he's got to go, I go, you know, the one thing people have said about the Reds is they're good at everything but baseball. Well. Up until now, under the everything but baseball umbrella, there was Phil holding it. So, you know, he got, he's got some value to the organization. Just might not be in, you know, telling people why this is the direction we're taking the actual baseball. Listening to this, who are like, I don't care what the message is. The the, the team will speak for itself. Just again, Phil, it's 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 frankly no longer Bob. It's got to be folks who are paying attention to this attention to this are going to say look you know say what you want about what happened to the team this year but working with parameters that ownership set forth at this and he got this done and he got this done that's good but at some point he's going to have to you know could just kind of spur the franchise is going and i thought dick williams was great at that thought while jockety was 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 pretty good at that for the most part nick to this degree hasn't been and i think that's for what they want to accomplish this offseason, for what they want to accomplish now and whenever they're good. But again, I think that's going to have to change. Now, there's only one bad th- – I'll get to you, Sydney, here in a second. Uh, only one bad thing I'll say about Nick Crawl is that the last Reds Fest that was held, he rejected my offer to be on the podcast. Hmm. Come on, Nick. So you kept bothering me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Sydney, go ahead. Yeah, so my only thing is is I don't know if Nick Kroll can be a guy. Because Nick Kroll was once again speaking to on both TV and radio today, Mo. It out to me is he said, we refused to trade some of these guys who did have suitors on the market, basically. Um, so, And he said Miner did, but I don't believe that at all. Um, but mainly Solano, because... They have value mentoring the young guys on this team, and I look at this team, and they're as far as the major league roster, you don't have really many young position players that he could be mentoring. You've got, as far as the active roster goes, you've got Jonathan India, and then the two of the only guys, um, younger than twenty-seven. Senzel's twenty-seven. Jake Fraley's 27. So, I mean, we don't have that many young position players on this, quote-unquote, being mentoring. So, I mean, they're going to have to find somebody to be that spokesperson because every team has somebody. But I, I, I'm – at this point, I don't, I don't believe that it can be Nick Kroll. Now, he can always, you know, 
turn me into a believer and start saying the right things and something. But as of right now, I don't think it could be. Him. I've got to, I got to qualify something I said. If I, I gave him credit for rolling the joke that they were broke in the side of his mouth at that point to put it out in public that, nope, we're not fire sailing these guys. We're not going to give them away and had to loop back around to it and got lucky enough that they were enough at the deadline to deal with, it, uh, or at least to his peers rather, not in the media, uh, uh yeah. to make sure that, he still had enough to be able to work with uh, when the leverage was more his and the spotlight was a little bit off. Um, so maybe when I'm playing t- <laughs> Yeah. before yeah, we... I, I, go I'm, ahead, Brent. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, sorry, I, I want to bring this up. I had a thought today because just listening to her on MLB Network Radio and whatnot, and she's going to end up in a, being in the front office at some sometime. Maybe the timing would be right to maybe bring in a, an assistant GM uh, you know, and Sarah Lang from MB Network would be, oh my God. I was listening to her this morning break down what it takes to get Soto, and that was before the Soto deal, of course. And it was, she's locked on. She really is. She, she knows what she's doing. I mean, it It'd wouldn't be hurt interesting to are bring you, in somebody you, with PR. Are you, are you saying the front office it, should not have the same person be GM and president of baseball operations? It should actually have. <laughs> Two people performing those jobs. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Is they, yeah. they really need to, they need help, and, and they have some influence, you know. But also, yeah, nobody's Dick Williams will ever be. If I achieve the level of calmness Dick Williams could achieve, I'd probably just go ahead and die. <laughs> that man never got about anything ever. Damn, does he look good today? Well, before we move on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tommy Pham went to the Red Sox for a player to be named later or cash, probably cash. He's actually already got a hit and a run tonight for the Red Sox. Uh, the slap heard around the world is gone. Uh, boo. Boo. Um, and then the biggest deal of the day, of course, was Austin Romine coming from the Cardinals to the Reds. Um, a catcher who can catch, which is, you know, something that the Reds need right now since Papirski has trouble with that um <laughs> not a big deal i mean he can't hit for shit but he can catch he can call a game he'll help with the younger pitchers for the rest of the year probably not coming back obviously next year but hey they needed a catcher because yeah papirski anyway that's a that's a move that was made probably three months too late yeah the first time tyler stevenson got hurt they should have Brought in a veteran catcher. I don't care if he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. Don't give a shit. This year it meant nothing. There's way too many young pitchers on this staff. And I mean way too many for them not to have an experienced catcher back there. Especially catchers who have less time than they do. Hey, don't speak battle on the Chris Oakey name, all right? Shout out to Ryan. Um, (laughs) All right, Carlos. It's your time to shine. We're going to talk about Juan Soto now to the Padres. Obviously the biggest deal of this trade deadline, and according to a lot of people, maybe the biggest trade deadline deal ever. Um, Juan Soto, 23 years old. What are the Nationals thinking? Him to the Padres for a bunch of prospects, and not Eric Cosmer because he said nope, uh, and Luke Voigt. Um, but also Josh Bell going back to the Padres. Uh, 
Carlos, that along with Brandon Drury, I mean, is that are they the favorites now in the National League to get the World Series? I don't know if they're the favorite. They're probably one of four in the Mets, the Dodgers, and the Braves, I would think. Because, uh, you know, obviously anything can happen in the playoffs. But holy cow, what a deal. 23 years old. That, that couldn't be said enough. How does he become available at 23 years old? That's just, it's unreal that it happened. And it's <laughs> the fact that, the, what are they, the 27th biggest market? Yeah. And they're making things happen. They're like just, so many owners are mad at them right now. But the owners need because to be mad at Because they're showing them how it can be done. The owners should be mad at themselves because, first of all, no, because they don't want to spend money. They're like, how dare you show us up, go out and spend money and be good. Well, I mean, You're not one of the big markets. You're not supposed that, to do that. That's that. a GM that has marching orders and doing them right there. That's a what? You know, that's a GM that has marching orders and has wide open marching orders to do what he needs to do. Oh, for Brother sure. Dude. There's no doubt. Everybody knew they were going to go and make a move. They didn't know what. And they were surprised. They got the best reliever on the market. They got the best player on the market. And they still have their top 10 prospects. Yeah, they did well. The, from the national perspective, though, th- they had to have had some kind of word from uh, from Soto that he was just not going to sign with them, period. I mean, there was all there was those rumors that he supposedly turned down like $400 million. I don't know if I buy that because... I, I absolutely do. That's a massive underpay. If you go year by year, um, depending on the length, yeah. If it was like the fifteen-year deal that they were talking about, yeah. If it was like a ten-year deal, that's another thing. Um, but if if Scott Boris flat out told them he's not signing here, that maybe that's the impetus for trading him. But I mean, you trade a guy who's twenty-three, who is coming into his own as a superstar, could have could have easily won the MVP last year. Man, I don't he's know. He's, and the thing is, it's not just a one-year um, go after. They've got him for two years. Yeah. And, he's five months you know, younger than Jose Barrero. And <laughs> it's crazy. And and if stuff goes south and people aren't healthy and they're not as good as they're supposed to be in his last year, guess what? They're going to trade him for the same shit they got that they just gave up, if not better. Yeah. I mean, it was. I think it's a win-win because – Yeah, if they get, if they get half – back if they have to trade him in a year from now it's, it's still, still a franchise altering deal you know mm-hmm. and they're and they'll they'll pay 40 million dollars to find out you know like it's yeah it's it's tremendous it's it's just going to be so exciting to watch um yeah it sucks that they don't come on until so late for us yeah. but i mean even before the trade deadline i think it was on thursday they had a twins game and they were like sold out imagine now this is all san diego has yeah, there's no more football team. There's no basketball team, and why wouldn't you want to go to a ball game in that ballpark? Seriously, I would love out there. I've never been out there, uh, Carlos. You should take me. Um, now, <laughs> um, if you believe what some of the people saying that the Cardinals were refusing to give up Dylan Carlson in a deal for Juan Soto, are you fucking kidding me? That's that's so stupid. I really <laughs> thought he was going to go to the Cardinals because. They were able to get Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, like, purified Hall of Famers for nothing. Why? Because they were willing to pay them. So I really thought 
the Cardinals were going to be able to get him truly because, you know what? We're willing to pay him whatever he wants. Here's an empty blank checkbook. Name your price. But I'm I, thankful he got that beer money out there in St. Louis. I uh, I think that there's a, there's a two-part reason for that. A, they traded Harrison Bader to get Jordan Montgomery right at the deadline. Which I that think was they an knew they were going to do that. It was, but they knew they were taking another outfielder off their major league roster, and they weren't going to take two off because they couldn't figure that out quickly enough. I don't. I think Nolan Arenado is going to opt out after this particular season. Not going after Soto pretty much cements to me that they're going to sort out an extension with Arenado because um, they weren't going to be able to pay Goldschmidt and Arenado and Juan Soto to stick around, and they weren't going to trade for Juan Soto unless they could extend them also. So I think they weighed all of those and. As much as I hate to say it, it's the St. Louis Cardinals, and when they weigh their options, they generally get it right. And so I think they made their calculations and said, "Yeah, we'll resign Arenado, we'll get Montgomery, and we got to keep one of the outfielders. They didn't want Carlson, so we got to keep him too." And that's how they will win the National League Central this year. Mo, what are your thoughts on? If I'm the, the... I'm walking. I'm asking for Walker up front. If no Walker, it ain't happening. Yeah, Mo, what are your thoughts? You on know, that? and. and Sorry, Branch, you finish and then move. No, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Just, just that if I'm the, if I'm the Cardinals on that deal, I, the fact they wouldn't give up the buddy, I don't understand because Walker should have done it. But I've I've seen plenty of times Cardinals like they're just not giving up Walker, and I hate that because I don't want to see that guy hitting Great American Ballpark ever uh, against the Reds unless he's with the Reds. That'd be fine. Uh, so. Walker is starting in the outfield as of tonight also, which he's not apparently yeah. done much in his career. So that immediately tweaked that. Yeah, he, he's he's going to be a pain in our ass. For, um, but, yeah, the, the, the but I can't – like you said, Wick, you can't, like, say what the Cardinals didn't do is a bad thing because I would love to have the record the Cardinals do over the last 20 years. Yeah. That's the Reds fan. I would kill for it, you know? Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. All right, Mo, your thoughts on Juan Soto and the mega deal? The Washington Nationals have a 387 winning percentage since they won the World Series. And they just traded away maybe the best talent in the game at the age of 23. Uh that's the perspective I look at it. I mean, look, I, I think we all could have that, that, that team in, in 2019, they had, you know, all those years where they lost when Dusty was manager. And I guess when Davey Johnson was manager and, you know, Bryce Harper was no longer there. And, you know, where they, Max Scherzer was getting older, were they going to hang on to him? Probably gave too much money to Steven Strasburg. But if I would have said to you at the end of that world series, which, you know, let's be honest, was a, a little fluky. Um, that they're going to lose 62% of their next games over the course of basically two seasons, obviously with the, the shortened season in 20 and the season not being fully done. And Juan Soto is not going to be a part of your future. How would you feel about that? You would have said, there's no way like they will be competitive. And then even when we kind of, you know, go through this next wave of, you know, players like Rendon who leave, it will still be able to build around, around Juan Soto and, now he's not there. That is, it's staggering to me. And and you know, I'm, I'm sure they got a whole bunch of really good prospects back, and that's wonderful. But th- that I mean, that was 
but just watching this whole thing play out, um, they won the World Series. They won 93, 94 games that season. And then they're they're not going to sniff the postseason when in two of those postseasons the field has been expanded and they just lost maybe the best young talent, young hitter uh that that franchise has has ever employed, certainly since they moved to to Washington. Bryce Harper maybe aside. That's that's staggering to me. Um look at just a lot of folks have kind of defaulted on Twitter to the whole like, well, you know, see small market, it proves that's BS. Don't listen to it from your owner. I, I think while I, I certainly believe that argument has some validity, I think that's a lazy place to go. I just I I I look at what they're doing with an incredible amount of envy and look, the, the odds are not in favor of it working this year. Um, you know, let's be honest, the, the Padres in terms of how they've built their team have been the, the talk of this sport for a couple of years now. And last year they finished under 500 and got the manager fired this year. They're not going to win the national league West. And obviously Tatis missing a, you know, all that time, obviously is going to have something to say about that. And in the shortened season, they lost to the Dodgers, uh, three zip or three one or something like that. So it, it hasn't yielded. All right, all right, all right. Wrap it up. Sorry, <laughs> but it hasn't necessarily yielded huge results. At the same time, the ballpark's packed. People are excited, and I get it. There's it's the only game in town. Ballpark's awesome. They don't have bad weather, so they're going to draw well in the the crappy weather months. But I just think there's something to be said about the excitement of being all in, and even if it doesn't work, right? You you feel like. You know what? The the people who run our club want to win. They're consumed with it. They'll do everything they can. Sometimes maybe Hell even they'll yeah. make bad decisions that are at least coming from the right place. And, you know, I mean, it, it obviously goes without saying they're going to have Machado and Soto and Tatis here uh, for the foreseeable future. And they've invested heavily in those guys. That is so reinvigorating as a fan. Even if it doesn't work out, it buys so much goodwill if you're a fan. And unfortunately, here all that goodwill has been cashed in. And I just, I, I, I the the mechanics of the trade, are, I think, are interesting. Um, and look, the the Padres, the odds are against them. LA's really good. Mets are really good. Um, you know, obviously, not winning a division with the current setup, there's a clear, clear disadvantage for teams who go in as wild cards. So it's it's going to be hard for them. But I just, I just, I, I watch with envy the relationship that Padres fans must have with team ownership right now, at least feeling like, you know what? Screw it. They're going for it. And if, if they need another piece this off season or next year at this time, they'll go and get it and they'll go and get it around a really promising young core two guys who aren't even in their prime. One guy who is three guys who are on hall of fame paths. That's got to, if you're a Padres fan right now, and then no, I, real quick, I, sort of, it's, I hold that it, up against the kind of relative apathy that a lot of people are feeling or the distrust that people feel right here. And I'm envious. Yeah. Like, Mo, that the thing is, there is no connection with ownership and the Padres fans. And that's what you want. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. we don't we don't care yeah. what the ownership is doing, what they said, because we're not talking about that, because we know they're all in and a win right now. And if they don't win, it's all on the players. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want as a fan. Yeah. You want to have every opportunity. That's what's given right now. Padres don't make it this year. There's not going to be a pissed off Padre fan this year, I promise. Because next year, they're running back. Got some breaking news. According to... Uh, uh, Jose Barrero, baby! Yep, that's what I was getting ready to say. Jose Barrero <laughs> is uh, getting called up tomorrow and activated. Right, Fielder? 
Left fielder? <laughs> yeah. Baseman? Center fielder, baby. Close, Close up. Closer. Um, he's catching. Yeah. Or he's, Tyler doesn't have to. He's Tell not, him, wait, 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 wait. wait. Have, have the Reds finally cleared third base for Nixon Zell now? <laughs> <laughs> finally? Moose is on the team, yeah. you know. I mean, if you want to put Matt Reynolds in center, sure. You can put Matt Reynolds anywhere. Matt Reynolds does that. He hasn't done his catch this year. I'm just looking forward to that game, all right? <laughs> India does need to maybe move off a second. Uh, I'd say it, but yeah. Um, It'll be interesting to see uh, with the with the prospects that the Reds got. A lot of the shortstops, obviously. All the shortstops. Have you ever gone to, like, a high school football game and there's a lot of, uh, like, 16, 17-year-old kids there and then there's, like, a guy who's, like, 24? Doesn't Mike Moustakis kind of remind you of that right now? <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, all right. Uh, yes, I have, Mo. I did there's that sort of a, there's like a, And I don't even say that about Joey Votto. Joey Votto's an institution. Like, there's, like, a Wooderson feel to Mike Moustakis where he, just sort of watching the game tonight, it's they mention him. I'm like, oh yeah, Mike, yeah, he's he's Mike. still here, and 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 probably going to be here next year too. And it's like this uber youth movement, right? And then, like I was, I I once when I was like 12 years old, I got stuck at the wrong summer camp. It was a procedural error, so I was meeting a bunch of like third grade, really strange time in my life. And. You I was telling that story kid? to my wife. Telling that story to my wife, she's like, I don't really don't anymore. I'm like, oh, it's kind of what Mike Mustakas reminds me of. She's like, yeah, man, I whatever. I'm taking a bath. So uh, that I'm probably gonna uh, flatten that material out and and put that on the radio. To... Getting older, but these <laughs> prospects stay the same, <laughs> right? But not even like the, the cool, the cool 23 year old. We're like, ah. Oh, Man, that guy back in the day was awesome. I mean, he's just like there, right? I mean, <laughs> like Mike Moustakis is going to be on the next year. And uh, is there a human being alive who cares about this franchise, who's remotely excited about that, who's not named think, Mike no. Moustakis? I don't even think Mike Moustakis uh, is excited. You could that. go ahead and count that guy out, Mo. He's not very excited <laughs> to be here. <laughs> Hey, I could do without all of the Mikes on the team. Him and Mike Miner, all right? Don't need either of them on this team anymore. Just go ahead and cut them, wave their goodbyes, and just, that's it. I'm done. I wonder if the Reds would consider letting Moussakis go in the offseason and eating the last year of the contract. I mean, I'm just happy that they didn't trade him, that they didn't attach him to Mally or Weeping. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that said a lot about this front office in the direction we're going for them not to do that. Cause I was so expecting them to, and get like a, get like a Nick Cantana for like Mally, because you know what? We don't want to pay Moose if year of his deal or whatever. Yeah. I was concerned with that, especially after some of the moves made in the off season, that that's what was going to happen. But to, to Nick Carl's credit, he didn't do it. And um, if that means he's, He's he's a, he's gotten his plan through to ownership, hopefully. Um, but no, I mean Mike Mustak has had absolutely no value. Um, hey, Coop. Yeah, uh, we've got more breaking news. Bring um, it. The, Red, 
that's now officially a third place team. Um, the Cubs lost. So with the, the Reds win tonight and the Cubs lost, the, the Cincinnati Reds are a third place team. It's all coming up, Castellino. How about that stupid Ian Happen Contreras hug in the dugout a week ago? <laughs> Nobody wanted. Oh my God! Go back to Chicago. Oh. Well, and yeah, they they made this such a bill out of that, and it's like they got uh, all Freddie Freeman on us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kyle Farmer didn't move, um, which. Dadgummit. I don't know. I. I. The people claimed that they were interested in him. I don't know about that. Uh, Donovan Solano, I think he was just hurt so much, and he's just now back that I think that's what killed his uh, any value that he had. And then Miner has been sucking Absolutely. some ass. So um, I think that's why those three didn't get dealt. Otherwise, if they could have, I mean, they could have easily been dealt, especially Solano if he had been healthy. Um, I won't be mad for Solano back next year. For Donnie Barrels, he. Uh, that dude can hit, man. Yes, yeah, he yeah. can. And I he mean, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you're, nice. you're going to need a third baseman next year because a lot of these guys that they just traded for. Does everybody play stop? Well, that and they're a couple <laughs> years away. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I'm on one right now. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be Nick Senzel. We know that much. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, I sleep. Oh. <laughs> um. Yeah, but. Some of the other deals, Noah Syndergaard went to the Phillies, which that should be interesting if he if he can get back to anywhere near what he was. Um, or play defense or in play, the outfield. Yeah. Yeah, the Phillies. Oh, man. They, they were Um, And then the Cardinals got Quintana from Pirates. Dodgers didn't really do a whole lot other than Joey Gallo, which I'm – I don't, I don't really understand that deal from the Dodgers' perspective because they already have Max Muncy there to strike out and hit a home run every then. What, where does he fit in? Where does Gallo fit in in L.A.? Carlos, um, like because they don't care about the money, and they're going to say, uh, "This guy hit thirty-eight homers last year, and he was an all-star." <laughs> Let me go ahead and take a flyer on him. He doesn't work out. Oh. Yeah, I just. I mean, was it that bad for him in New York that he just he just fell apart? Yes. Oh yeah, it was that bad, and it was pretty obvious that he didn't he couldn't deal with the media very well either. He was never like disrespectful or anything like that, but the way that he was talking, it was like, holy moly, this guy's not made for New York, and that is certainly one hundred percent a thing. Either you can handle that media or you can't. There's no in between. If they play the Yankees in the World Series, those people are going to crush that dude. Yeah. Oh right? God. He's, he's and he will not about get a he, hit over there. I, I can't. I can't show my face. And uh, I mean, he. You know, that's. Now I want that to happen. Yankees, Dodgers, World Series. <laughs> Joey Gallo. This 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 is Padres Mariners World Series slander right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You mean we are, we are a Padres Mariners uh, podcast? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Damn it, pa- Mo. Padres considered the bottom of the first. I'm watching right now. Just, it, I mean, it was an interesting trade deadline. Uh, much like last year, all the action seemed to have in the last couple of days, other than the Castillo deal. But 
Um, I think only the I think it was only the Rockies that didn't make a deal. Uh, even what <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about that? God, I love the Rockies, man. Like I've been here for I've lived here for eleven years now, and I'm not a Rockies fan because they've given me absolutely zero reason to drop the Reds for them. Like that's <laughs> that's where this team is. Um, they're a tremendous uh, entertainment spot. You go to go to Coors, it's packed. Great spot to watch a baseball game. Terrible baseball team. Terrible premise. Always have been. Always will be. But like every now and then, we'll just throw a hundred eighty-three million dollar curveball to sign Chris Bryant. So you got to at least like pay attention to him. But yeah, when they just they, they signed their thirty-seven-year-old closer to a two-year extension when they're fifteen games under five hundred and called it a day. Like hell, yeah, dude. Hell yes. There needs to be more chaos in Major League Baseball. Baseball and the Rockies are out there. I'm telling like you, playing playing play LSD baseball. You know. Go ahead. Brian. As soon as the schedule comes out next year for next year, I'm I am totally stalking the pod the Padres playing at Coors. Do and, it, dude. Let me know. I'll make a road trip because I want to see the I want to see the Padres lineup next year playing at Coors. <laughs> I'm in. Don't, just, let me know. You'll probably come to Houston next year whenever good. you move down here. Okay. Yeah, Carl. They'll probably come to Houston whenever you move down here. Carlos, fly us all out to Denver. I'll move to Houston. That'll work, dude. (laughs) Fly us all out to Denver. Uh, Wick, I will be there September 10th that weekend. Hopefully, you're in town. We can meet up, have a beer. September 10th? Uh, Mm -hmm. I think I will be here. That's the weekend after Labor Day. I've got to be in Kentucky for Labor Day weekend for uh, the 16th annual Fantasy Football League draft that I'm in. Uh, but the weekend after that, I should be around. So yeah, hit me up. Let me nice. know. Sure. Yeah, Carlos came to Cincinnati. I'm sorry, I wasn't able to make it out there to see you next year, buddy. Next year. Oh, me too, man. I, I'm really sorry, Carlos. I did that. We're in the part of summer. It just did not work for me at all to try to get to Cincinnati. Mo's the only one that I swiped and got to meet. <laughs> I was yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Most hang out within right field and watch a game. You know, it's fun. I mean, it's the, the now. There's plenty of room. You kind of have the joint to yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not a whole lot of folks me, but yeah. Oh man, no. I like I like back there by the bow tie bar because you got the fry box, and then the the, the Montgomery End place where you can get the turkey legs. That's my favorite food there. I just like not wait in line for beer. I'm a very simple man. <laughs> there were no lines anywhere. Yeah, I got I got to go back to a game. I went. I've only went to one this year, and that was home opener. And you know, I was, I was with him, and you know, it's home opener, so we was wandering everywhere. Oh, I tried the day, to stay put. The day of the infamous. Where are you going to go? Yep. Yep. I, actually, I was, I, I was at the place. Uh, I, I, I run into Mo right after that happened, and I, I, I remember sitting there watching Mo on the stage when he made it over to Smoke Justice, and everything's blowing up after the infamous <laughs> where you got Mo's looking at his phone, and you can see his face. <laughs> then, he like gets all straight. Then later in the game, anywhere, or is it just he looked, recorded? He looks at his phone after it went national. Carlos, you can go to and my. I, and I remember going over to 
Mo and being like, hey, Mo, you might be a little busy over the next day. He's like, no shit. <laughs> Carlos, you can go to my... You go to my TikTok and I have a slowed down version of it where it makes it sound like he's high when he's saying oh. it. I'm still kidding. I'm still kidding for the Red Reporter headline because I, I said, where are you going to go? Because it gave him the benefit of the doubt that he actually had the verb in there. Um, but uh, yeah, that was. Oh, man. No, my, it's been a long. Well, it's been, well, it's been a long. It, it's been a, been a long four months. For this baseball when it, when it happened, what I will tell you is. It was at the end of the segment. Um, it's not my show, so I'm just sort of like there is. Well, Mo talks about sports, so he can be here and uh, whatever. So I I kind of looked at the host of the show, Scott Sloan, as if to say like, all right, now I know we got to do news, but are we really just going to end it like that, or are we going to offer him a chance to, you know, come back after the news? And Sloney made the decision like, all right, Phil, thanks, see you. So. We hit the news and we put down our headsets and Phil's just like, all right, man, thanks. I think that went well. And I went, <laughs> yeah, for me it did. Yeah. Didn't you? Yeah. Like, you know, made my job a lot easier, but good luck. Go, okay. So I, I then mean, had to, to talk about. Yeah. So then I, I had to walk across Ooh. the bridge over to Smoke Justice to do my show. <laughs> And I was walking with one of our sales guys, and we we uh, walking and saw some folks we talked to, and I, I really kind of didn't give it a second thought. And I got to Smoke Justice, and my cousin was there, and he's like, "Well, thanks for ruining opening day." And I'm like, <laughs> what are you "Talking about?" And he's like, "He's like, but everybody's losing their mind over what Phil said." I'm like, "Oh, well, I didn't ruin opening day." I'm like, "He did, you know." And so. Uh, you're right. I, we sat down to do the show and, and I, I slowly kind of became aware of like how much that had spread. I, uh, up until, um, but the game was at four up until maybe like one thirty, as it's kind of insulated against this, the, you know, all, the shit show that was sort yeah. of, uh, uh, unfolding. And, um, even like at the game, that's all anybody wanted to talk about. And I'm like, okay, this this is uh this is taking on a life of its own, and um, I I texted uh, one of the PR people from the Reds as soon as the game ended. The game obviously didn't win, so it just added a, another layer to it. I'm like, look, uh, Phil's welcome to come back on with me tomorrow because we're gonna talk about it. And uh, I got a very terse, <laughs> no <Nope>. thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> just but you know there's on opening day there's a lot of people there obviously there's a lot of reds employees and i just i every time i'd pass one i would just have this look on my face like i'm i didn't mean to ruin opening day i just i asked a fair question i asked a question that i said i i had said i hope i get a chance to talk to phil because this is the question that i have i didn't we didn't know until the morning of that he was confirmed to join us so um yeah. no the the funny thing also is he had a chance when he went on with I forget who the TV guy was Brandon but Seho, Brandon yeah. Seho yeah. yeah he yeah, had yeah. a chance and he doubled down yeah those quotes were coming out whether Mo asked them whether Brandon asked them they were coming out soon yep yeah and as a fan that was was you know it's hard to pay attention to what's going on, on social media when you're going to the game you know because you're meeting up with friends and everything. I remember meeting up with friends at Smoke Justice where I sit there and listen to Mo's show. 
order some wings, have some beers. And we're like, I remember taking and listening to it the first time. And I went, oh, there's no damn way this was not said. I hold my phone up to one of the Brad's ears. They listen to it. Hey. And he's like, okay, it wasn't you. It was Schoolcraft. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but, and he's like, he's like, there is no damn way said that. And then everybody else at the table was like, well, let me hear, let me hear. And I'm like, just go. And we're all sitting there with our phones up to ears because it's, you know, in a bar on, on the home opener. It's, it's loud. And we're all listening. And you can just see everybody's face just kind of melt. And, go. and, and we were all pissed. We were just pissed. It was so... <laughs> It was kind of a come-together moment for Reds fans in a way because you could see other tables doing it too, and it was just like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I mean. no way he actually said that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind yeah. of how we felt, yeah. <laughs> I've I've talked with people at the Reds, and I've, I've said, like, y- you know, this is a chance for him and you guys to show you have a sense of humor. Like, all right, people hate him. Like, maybe they shouldn't. Maybe they, but they do. I mean, I just, I see it. You guys see it and hear it every day. I'm like, so why can't you put him in a dunk tank down the right line and give the money to the RCF and just, hey, I mean, just own it. Like, all right, you hate my guts. At least come buy three throws for 15 bucks. We'll give it to the community fund or we'll, uh, We'll figure out a way to keep the lights on here. I don't know, but I, I just like at some point, just all right, you're you're a villain. Uh, own it. Wrap your arms around it. Laugh at yourself. Like I mean, I I uh, I, I don't mean this in a mean way. I, I don't I don't know that Phil is probably good at laughing at himself. This is a good chance to sort of show you know what I'm in on the joke. Yeah, where are you gonna go? And I was very very quickly told like. No, we're not doing that. That will not be happening. And I'm like, all right, well, it could generate some goodwill. Um, you know, I mean, you could have a contest to like be the first person to throw the balls. You could, you know, have a bid. I mean, it, it could, and it would make him seem human. It, it would make him seem like a real person who, on that day, may have allowed um, the the emotion of the time get to him. And and I think many would have understood. But but the the strategy now, which is to just have him make very sporadic appearances, um, first things like the Reds Community Fund telethon and stuff like that. I don't. That's not going to work. And and for somebody who, I think, greatly wants to be the face of the Cincinnati Reds, and let's face it, is going to be like the guy here. Um, I I, I certainly wish nothing uh, against uh, Bob Castellini, but I mean, there's we're closer to the point of, of Phil being the guy than we ever have. And so, you know, show that, show that you can, you can take some heat, show that you can laugh at yourself, show that you're kind of a human being and try to turn it into as much of a pause as possible. And, and I'm not surprised, but I'm, I'm frustrated that they haven't chosen that approach. Cause I, I think for a lot of people, it could, it could work. Yeah, few few things are a bigger red flag to me than an unwillingness to separate. And yeah. <laughs> he had unlimited opportunities. Not even like the next day. He could have come on a week later. It still would have been every bit as relevant. And he would have had a week to prep for it, and still no. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. And and, and, and unfortunately, and, and unfortunately, they they started three and twenty two. It's, it's not like it snowballed no, from there. 
That was this right. year. Good God, that was this year. Yeah, like, you know, well, hey, they, they've gotten off to a good start. They're, you know, let's say after 30 games or so, they're 17 and 30, and the team is playing well. People feel good. You know, and then maybe, uh, all right, I'm going to address this, and we'll have a little fun with it. And, and look, you're, there's still going to be a lot of people pissed off, but we've got to move on, and I'm going to show me human being about it. And then, well, in the middle of all this, they lose a 1,000 games in a row and up themselves from, from contention. It was just uh, the worst storm possible. Um, and and I, uh, to a degree, I don't want to say I feel bad for, for Phil, but I don't think he's a bad guy. I don't, I don't think he's a rotten human being. I don't think he's a, a completely incompetent executive. Um, but, you know, I watched the, the press conference from the Finley Market opening day parade announcement, and I'm like, man, this dude is approaching this from the wrong standpoint. This is antagonistic. This is, this is I'm coming out with my fists. This isn't going to work, especially if the team is no good. And I really kind of held out hope that somebody corralled him after that to say, look, Phil, it's not going to make any sense for you to be coming at people in the media. It's going to you know, forget the people who are uh, buying billboards and stuff. Don't let that stuff get to you either go away or take a different approach. And he chose the third option and that was the worst option. And uh, he and they are still paying for it. Carlos, go ahead. You were going to say something. I, I mean, it's just Moses has such a good point because I mean, 99% of the people who are going to be in that stadium have said, way worse and have have been forgiven for worse and i mean that would have been such a perfect opportunity to be like you know what i'm sorry didn't mean that i was frustrated i'm with you guys i want to build a winner let's go have a great day i'm sorry like i know that would have done something for me rather than just go away and then come back and give these little Talks to the uh, what are they? The, the season, season ticket holders. holders. Yeah. Those things are cringeworthy. I'm like, oh my gosh, I do not want to even listen through the videos through TikTok, the 15 second videos. It's just I don't want to hear from you. I wonder if there was. I a, can't. We can't relate. I wonder if there was a fear from the PR department and maybe even Bob Castellini that putting him out there in another interview that he wouldn't be able to control himself if. He got mad about he something. He could have just put that a statement out. Yeah, I mean, he didn't even put a statement out. There was the kind of statement like that happened at like nine o'clock that night on opening yeah. day, but it was kind was of yeah. You can tell it was not written by him. It was not like yeah. a heartfelt apology. It was a corporate. I get him being pissed, attacking his dad. If he if he wants to feel like that, then okay. And say it makes me feel like you're attacking my dad, and I'm going to come after you. Okay. But say that, don't attack the fans. Yeah, you know? they got so mad because of Chad Dotson and the uh, billboard, shout out to Chad, that they, like Mo was saying, the the speech he gave at the parade was antagonistic, if I can talk antagonistic, where he was like, come out here and support your team, support these players. Um, but he said it in just a way that was like, I don't know. It's, it's hard. Yes. He came across as like an entitled. Well, I won't say what I want to say because I, you know, but <laughs> he came across. Tweet it, so, uh, oh, I'll tweet it. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Coop later. Yes. yes. Um, but 
I don't know. The whole thing came across as holier than thou, especially when he was talking to Mo with the where you go. It's when that hit the internet, it wasn't just a Cincinnati thing. That went across the entire country. And everyone in baseball was talking about the idiot CEO, COO, whatever of the Reds talking down to the fans that day. And, you know, like Mo was saying, I'm sure he's not an idiot. I'm sure, hopefully, he's a nice guy. But he really stepped in it. And there are still ramifications to today of what he said that day. And the fact that they've done nothing to put him out there to try to fix it tells me they're afraid to put him out there. Maybe I'm wrong, but to me, it seems like they're afraid to put him out there because what if he gets a question that he doesn't like? Is Does he have a, like a light switch temper? Kind of I, I think uh, what I wonder, and I don't know this, um, what I wonder is if there has been a div from New York look um, baseball owners and, and ownership families have, have never been more deeply unpopular than they are right now, just as a general rule. And that reverberated, I'm, I'm sure, uh, it, you know, it reverberated to the point that it was being talked about all over the country. Um, I'm sure it didn't go over well in, in the, the offices in, in New York. And I, I do wonder if sort of an edict has been handed down. Look, Phil, in Cincinnati, um, enough. We're, we're, we're not pushing you out there. I, I, and I don't, I don't know that. I, I, I do not know that. And, and I, I think the Reds have some really good PR pros that work there. Um, you know, again, we've, they've always been great at PR. They've often not been great at base. So, but I, I do wonder if it, it's, it's sort of been made clear from, from New York, like, all right, man, uh, whoever you put in front of cameras and microphones, um, if it has anything remotely to do with what's happening on the field, Phil's not there. They allow for exceptions again, when he's talking about, you know, the Reds community fund or the telethon or events like that. That's, I think that's one thing. He's always been really good at that stuff, yep. but hey, Phil, yeah, yeah. Your, your, your days of kind of the, the conduit to the masses on behalf of this club are over. And I, I do think it's at least possible that that has been a, uh, a mandate from, from uh, baseball's front office, I have to. Phil, Phil I have to run in a second. Yeah, you know, philanthropist is pretty good. Feel the executive. Eh. I think that you know the if if they wanted to quote unquote rehab his his uh, stature with the fan base, maybe like, like you were saying, Mo, with the telethon, a lot of a lot of people are putting together some relief efforts for the Eastern Kentucky flood victims. And uh, if the Reds were to do something like that, like Kentucky and Louisville basketball both had some telethons in the last couple of days. If the Reds were to put something like that together and put him as the face of that, that's something that could help him with the fan base. It's showing, you know, sympathy for people. And uh, it's not like he's, I mean, we're talking to him like about him, like he's like a politician or something but just something as simple as that is a good way to start winning people back over and i'm not saying well, that's what and, you have to do but and and he's not going anywhere i mean right. that, that's you know it's politicians go away they get voted out phil castellini is 
not only not going to get voted out, but there's going to be a day in which, I mean, he's he's the CEO of the club. I mean, that's that's the plan here. So if if you function in that role in the capacity that he wants, um, there's going to have to be some sort of rehabilitation of his image, and there's going to have to be some sort of and look, there's there's going to have to be on behalf of a lot of people at least a willingness to be open to the idea of, of kind of moving on from what happened. And, and look at the end of the day, if, if uh, Phil Castellini is in the middle of the Reds clubhouse in four or five years and he's having champagne dumped all over him. I mean, I, I watched Mike Brown get cheered when he was handed the championship trophy. I, <laughs> I, I, and I never thought that would happen. So I mean, That's that a good will point. cure all, but, but in the in in the in the capacity he's going to be in, with the way he wants to serve in that capacity, um, there, there's going to have to be some sort of repair job done on the relationship that ownership has with rank and file fans. And I'm fascinated as to see how that unfolds, if it unfolds at any time in the near future. But but it's going to have to because I just the just toxic coexistence that we're going through right now is not going to work. It's it's not going to work for the Cincinnati Reds. And so how they go about fixing it, I, I'm i really interested in. We're going for about two hours now, so I think that's a good place to stop. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go around the room here, uh, have everybody give their final thoughts real quick. And uh, Sydney, let's start with you. Um, okay, final thoughts. Um, so I'm happy that the Reds were able to get as much as they got in return for the five guys they traded. Um, I thought... They got a really good haul in return. Um, we'll end up seeing if any of these guys end up making um, a difference on the Major League roster. Interested to see who pitches for the Reds down the stretch. All right. Uh, Branch, give us your final thoughts. Way to go, Graham Ashcraft. Awesome game tonight. Uh, yeah, very good game. Holy cow. Seriously. Um, He's not listening. You know I'm not, Carlos. Tens of people listen to this. We 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 spent we spent an awful lot of time tonight, you know, on the on the prospects and crawl and front office and ownership. And, you know, honestly, it's been it's been a little bit therapeutic. I, I really like that because we all us Reds fans need to get this crap out of our systems. Um, I'm I'm I gotta admit I'm really happy right now. I'm I'm probably being a sucker, but I actually am trusting crawl right now. And we'll throw him a bone. This this last week has been fantastic for him. I hope that the Reds front office that the, that the ownership stays out of it. Maybe you want to hire a you know assistant GM and think outside the box. Their last name doesn't have to be Bell. Um, <laughs> to, to help out with maybe a little bit of a PR and stuff. And honestly, it's been a little bit therapeutic to talk through the through the home up with Mo and listen to it. Uh. I'm I'm in the best place I've been with this franchise since the home opener right now, and, and that's <laughs> that's a good thing, you know. <laughs> uh, Wick, your final thoughts as the Cincinnati Redlegs loads in the bottom of the ninth against the Mar- uh, the Yankees anyway. <laughs> my 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 thoughts are is that like step step one of this process is kind of like done, you know. Everything that happened over the winter was part of it. Sonny Gray's gone, Suarez, Winker gone. Um, 
I, I said Mr. White earlier, uh, Nick Kroll has, has he's scorched it, and we've got prospects now. Um, can he build it going forward is the next question, because not all these guys are going to pan out. Half of them probably aren't going to pan out. Um, are you going to be able to figure out which ones are, especially since 34 of them play shortstop? Um, <laughs> are you going to figure out which ones need to move to certain positions? Are you going to be able to figure out when it's time to put two of them together and go trade for a pitcher that you need in 2024? Um, those things, you know, it's, it's not easy by any means. And I don't mean to imply that it is to take what they had and turn it into a good prospect return. It takes savvy timing, all that other stuff a combination of skill and luck and everything else. I think he did a fantastic job in that, but sitting and waiting around for it to just all grow and turn into something. It's autopilot anymore. If anything, you've got more things to juggle now to make sure that you've got somebody who can contend in 2024, if not 2023, because you look up and you still have green and India and Stevenson, Lodolo and Ashcraft. And all these are the players that should work for next year. That's that's where I turn to now is that, you know, there's nobody else to give away. There's nobody on the roster you're, you're cashing in on right now unless you really go into it with India or Stevenson, which I don't think they're going to do just yet. So where do you go from here? You know, how do you build it? Give us the future. Show us the future. And how quickly can we kind of adapt to it? Because um, there's there's no more down to go anymore, I think is what I'm saying, is that this is bottom this is the valley. It's time for a peak. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Carlos, your final thoughts. Um, my final thoughts were came from like the last 10 minutes of the pod with, with Mo's conspiracy theory of the owners reaching down. <laughs> um, I, I, I like it because it's kind of like a, like a movie. Like, you know, you know, the Godfather, he's going to no longer be the Godfather anymore. And Junior's going to have to step up. And Junior thinks he's already part of that group and he goes out and he does something stupid and the rest of them put him in timeout. That's kind of where we are right now. But the five now, families take come, Sonny out. He's got to come back. He's going to have to come back and he's going to have to uh, make himself worthy. Even though everybody knows he's going to be one of them, he still has to earn his stress. And so we'll see. I'm, I'm part of this. I'm excited for the rest of this movie to play out. Spoiler alert though. Sonny dies. And then Michael has to take over. Does Phil have a younger brother? I'm not saying it's the Godfather. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, that was a bad joke. Uh, Mo, your uh, your final thoughts? I think if you are a beat writer who covers the Reds, I could map out February for you, and maybe weeks in April and May. Like on the 16th, there's going to be the Mike Mustakis showed up slimmer and in the best shape of his life. Uh, and then a couple of days later, there'll be the story about how, like, well, he's willing to accept whatever he's he's going to mentor the young guy uh, with some flow, just overflowing nice quotes from David Bell. And then the games are going to start. He's going to demonstrate like a new batting stance, get like two hits off some honey thummer that's not going to make leagues. And then it's going to be like, oh, you know, Mike at this stage in his career, not afraid to tinker. And then the games are actually going to start for real. He's going to just be terrible. But then there'll be like this this piece about how, because he's got a beard, so he'll be a grizzled, wily veteran who sits on the bench 
and puts his hand on the knees of the younger guys and is like mentoring them, even though he doesn't really play all that much. And probably a quote about how, well, you know, if Moose wants, he could be a manager one day. And then, and then, I don't know, like. Don't forget the like, clubhouse uh, presence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, oh no. See, there'll be like a heel turn in June, right? When inevitably some of the younger guys are playing so good, and they go to Moose, and he's like, "Ah, oh, you know, back in the day, man, it wasn't that way. You know, we used to hit off the batting tee. These guys don't know what they're doing. You'll have that, and then they'll like, I bet like August twenty first next year, just straight DFA. Like, I we'll eat the last couple mil." And then, you know, all the, the quotes like, oh, man, you know what? I don't know how we replace his. He's, he's hitting a buck 54, but I don't know how we're going to replace him in the, in the clubhouse. Really just his impact is going to re- reverberate for a really long time. So I think I'm like, if you're Bobby Nightingale, you could just like just draw up rough outlines or see Trent or somebody just craft rough outlines of these pieces and then just fill it in with some some numbers, a quote or two, and you're good to go. Oh, God, that's so funny. That's so true. Uh, my final thoughts. First of all, everybody subscribe to the new Mo Egger podcast. Uh, yes, I yes. listened to the, the to the first one and uh, the little preview. And we're going to you going to guess lined up, Mo? Yeah, uh, we've taped seven. Oh, of, OK. Uh, wow. We've taped seven episodes. Oh, I think we're going to. The, the concept here is to sort of release a CN and then uh, stop doing it and then start doing it again and do 10 more uh, until I really lose interest. And then we'll just scrub the whole thing and <laughs> never have any evidence. Uh, it'll be uh, it'll be it'll be good. Uh, you know, some of the guests are going to be folks that you're like, who the hell is that? And there might be some people you're like, oh, I know who that is. Um, but it's uh, it'll I'm, I'm excited I like interviews. I like doing interviews in, in our just format. You typically do six to eight minute interviews and it's who, why, what, when, where, and then you kind of you know move on to something else. And so to have a chance to sit down from some folks whose whose work I enjoy or I think just have interesting backgrounds. We're going to try to get Moustakis actually. Uh, there you go. This off season. <laughs> no. But uh, there'll be some the sports. Yeah, there'll be some sports. There'll be some, some non um, You know, I'm always afraid when people are like, oh, it's non-sports. It's like, oh man, he's going to be breaking down like you know house bills no we're not going to be doing that we're not going to be doing you know hard current events i just want to talk with interesting people and again some of them will have some degree of attachment to sports and some will have none and uh you know we'll let the audience decide but um i'm looking forward to it and i appreciate you mentioning it no problem you'll get at least 10 more based on my listenership (laughs) (laughs) thanks uh, also want to shout out the Cincy Sports Gallery. Go see Callie and buy all of the uh, Luis Castillo stuff that now is just sitting there. Um, also shout out Ram at Unc Ram. Always go follow Ram. Doug Gray, you especially. So for uh, Sydney. Not suitable for work. <laughs> for <laughs> Sorry, Carlos just threw me off. Uh, for Sydney and Branch. Wick and Carlos, this is Coop saying we will talk to you later. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, where the river winds. Across the Mason and the Dixon line.